Welcome! I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Banjo Chat, where I bring in amazing banjo players and chat with them about their life, their music, their stories, their pitfalls, inspirations, and advice. So, join us on this journey into Banjo Chat. Hello, hello! Welcome to the Banjo Chat. I'm your host, Hilary Hawk. How you doing out there? How you doing in this wild, wild world? How are you? What keeps you all ticking out there? Where, where are we? We're, we're out in the world. We're trying to do our best. We're trying to do our best every day. Uh, you know, we're striving. We're striving for something. What is it? Happiness? You know, whatever that means for you. I, I know for me, happiness can mean different things on different days, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here talking to you, at you, <laughs> and I'm happy to be talking with my guest today. He's really special because he was the sound of New York City roots and folk music when I first moved here back in 2006 or so, 2006. I don't know, maybe it was a little later. I'm not exactly sure of his timeline, but in either case, he was one of the first people I heard playing when I came here with my banjo. Uh, at that time, you know, we were playing in restaurants and venues all over New York City and Williamsburg and Greenwich Village. It was a different time, you know, like uh, music was kind of like dotted all over. I, I didn't really feel like there were... Uh, like a specific venue, like we just kind of all, it was, you know, it was like a different time, like there was a unamplified acoustic music, there was loud stomping, there was smoking in bars, I think at that time still, I'm not sure, um, it was, it was a wild and woolly time, you know, I think we're going back, you know, 15 years or so, 17 years, I, I, I don't know, that's what it is for me, so, uh, well anyway, he's a, he's a multi-instrumentalist, banjo player, guitar player, and more, and he'll tell you, uh, he's a blues, old-time, and early American music musician, and he's also what I would call an educator of black history and heritage through music and through his performances. He was a soloist when I first saw him, um, and then later a member of the Carolina Chocolate Drops with Rhiannon Giddens and Don Flemons and more. Uh, he was on tour with them, he's Grammy-nominated, and his performances are off the rails and inspiring. Welcome to the Banjo Chat, Hubby Jenkins. Oh, I like that intro. It's good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so where are you living these days? I live in Ridgewood, Queens, which I've been living in for, I think since like 2011 or 12. And when I first moved here, people didn't really know where the M train went or what Ridgewood was. And now uh, it's becoming very popular and pricey and eh, it's fine. On the M train? <laughs> I'm on the M train, yeah. I'm yeah, like 20 I, minutes from the Lower East Side, the whole thing. I have no idea where the M train goes, and I've been here forever. Like, I don't even know. Because, <laughs> like, I, I never go up to Ridgewood, and I should. Like, I feel like that's the that's the next scene. That's, like, the it's where everything is right now. Bushwick, Ridgewood, it's great. Well, it's funny, like, you mentioned 2006, and my brain did a quick flashback. I was but wrong like a about lot of, the date, right? I'm, I'm wrong about that. I don't know what day it was, but like yeah. uh, like that era, you know, made me think about banjo gyms and yep. a lot of musician friends that I came up with. And we moved, you know, with the gentrification of the city. Like I lived in Williamsburg, got priced out. I lived in Bushwick, yep. got priced out. Like, so you just kind of moved with it. Um, so that being said, yeah, you should come to Richard Moore because you have a lot of friends. Who, you know, Jerron Paxton lives three blocks from my house. Yeah. Farrell Foster lives one train stop away. Um well, Albany doesn't live here anymore, but there's just like mad people in the in the neighborhood. Yeah, no, no, I really want so. to. I mean, I just feel like there's some good venues out there that I want to get to and play at even. So, yeah. So yeah. in terms of banjos, this is a banjo podcast. The people want to know, what banjo are you playing? 
What banjo am I playing? Okay, I play a... I have two banjos that I play the most. One is... Uh, I'm just going to increase my volume just a little bit here. So it might be a little bit different cool, from this cool. point on. Um, my main banjo, I guess, would be a Buckeye banjo. Cool. Uh, made by a guy named Greg Galbraith, who I forget where he is. He's in like Black something Virginia or Lynch something West Virginia. Um, and I encountered one of his banjos at Joe Bass's house. Oh, when nice. I was there for a recording session and it was like the banjo that he kept by the fireplace and like in between takes I would play it and I was just like I really like this banjo um my first road banjo was a Deering uh Vega number two banjo uh the chocolate drops were sponsored by them so I got a very good discount on it um and it was super heavy and it has like an I think it's a uh, iron maybe it's a brass tone ring in it it's just like weighs a lot um, so I was very, I, when I went to Buckeye, I was like, I want like a light, simple, just old time, something I can beat on. And he made my banjo, whose name is Zephra. And we're madly in love with each other. And it's been going strong for many years. Zephra, you have a banjo, your banjo has a name. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't name your instruments? You know, it's, it's funny. I don't, I don't name my instruments. I just named my bass recently. I named uh, my bass Betty. Um, but I haven't named any of my banjos and I just kind of call them banj and, uh, or, or, or like, there you are, you know, like I don't, I just speak to them. I don't really name them. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I never got into that, but no, I, I appreciate that you did. That's yeah. Maybe I should. Yeah. I don't know. But speaking to them is on the same wavelength Yeah, yeah, just yeah. having that relationship with your instrument of like, you're an instrument. But we're also got this relationship, and we're going to have conversations very often. Yeah, like how many of you out there name your instruments? Is this is this a common thing for you? Does everybody do that when they first get an instrument? I don't know. I want to know. You know, it's, that's interesting. It's like a, a poll. It's a question uh, for the audience. Um, all right. Well, so you're you're in an apartment. You're in Ridgewood. How thick are the walls? Are you practicing there? What? How, how do you do this? How do you practice? How do I practice? I um, on a good day, I try to practice minimum an hour a day. Um, and that's usually uh, working on something that I messed up at the previous show <laughs> and fixing it. And then I always try to like give myself something new, throw something new at myself and see what happens. Um, It's very rare that I do scales, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine, I guess. And my walls are not that thick. Part of my walls are, I think the walls around me, there's a lot of brick going on, but between floors, not so much. So Mm. my neighbors, I actually live beneath um, Ali Deneen. Mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. plays piano and guitar um, and sings very well. And when we are practicing, we can hear each other like very audibly through this, through the ceiling. Um, and it's fine. Cause I have a musician for a neighbor. And so they totally get it. And there'll be times where I'm sitting on my couch, like I'm going to watch another living single. And then I hear <laughs> Ali start practicing and I'm like, okay, forget it. I guess I'll <laughs> I can start practicing now. Um, and then one last thing I'll say is, uh, during the shutdowns um, in my old place, I decided the violin was going to be my shutdown instrument. I was like, ah. I'm going to finally master the violin. It did not happen. Right. Um, and my neighbor in the building next to me decided that he was going to learn the accordion. 
So there was just months and months of people trapped in their homes hearing a screeching violin and a choked accordion for hours a day. And some people moved off the block. So I don't know if it's related, but I like to think that it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm sure anybody listening that's like a small space living kind of person can understand. It's it's. It's always a thing. Like when, if you're a musician or if you're just like a hobbyist and you're, you know, like you move into a new place, it's like when and how loud do you start to practice? Like when you first move into a place, like, do you just like bang, like right off the first day, do you start playing loud? Like to just to set everyone up for, Hey, this is what it's going to be. Or like what, I mean, it's like, it's always a thing, you know, like that's how I, I get that. Oh. Yeah. I think also like I'm born and raised in New York. Right. And so I'm so used to you hear people like you're going to hear people yeah. that you live around and you're going to see them and sometimes you're going to smell them. And so <laughs> noise doesn't really bug me the same way that I think it might uh, affect other people. Mm. So a lot of times, like when I start practicing or watching movies loudly or whatever it is, I don't even think about it. Like, I don't think it's going to be distracting. Like someone will have to come and tell me. But I don't really feel bad about hearing other people practice at all. Or make noise uh, at all. doesn't bug me. So maybe that affects my practicing. <laughs> all right, let's try it. Okay. All right, we're back. We're back again. We're back. We had a little momentary technology glitch, and we were standing by, and hopefully it all works out. Fingers crossed. Okay. But that's what happens here on Banjo Chat. Like, it's like live. This is live. This is what, you know... Hubby, you strike me as a music lover, like myself. I'm a music lover, and, and many of us, and many of you out there, you probably are too. When I hang out with you, I find that you know all the lyrics to songs on the radio. You know, it pop songs, hip hop, blues, folk, whatever. It's a, you just, you've had a lot of musical experiences. Music is kind of flowing through you, you know? You've, you've, you started early on, like, you just have music kind of coming out of your blood. Um, you know, it's like when I write my bio out or like on my website, I write banjoist slash musician. You know, I write that I'm a, I'm a banjoist, but I'm also like an all encompassing musician. Like, you know how like all bugs are insects, but not all insects are bugs kind of thing. Um, anyway, do you feel like that's the same kind of thing with you? Are you like, are you a musician first or an artist first? And you kind of apply that to everything you do. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's a question. I think um, that's a deep question. I mean, like, I do love all kinds of music. And there was a period of time when I was a kid where I used to watch a lot of television. And then when I got into the radio, I got really into it. And all I did was listen to music. Like, to the point where if my parents needed to ground me, it was no radio. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I like all kinds of music. I like listening to music and hearing I don't know, just good things. So that being said, I like to play the music that I play. I like to play traditional old-time music. Every once in a while, if I'm playing my electric bass, I like to play soul music. James Jamerson is my favorite bassist of all time. Yeah. But for the most part, I play old-time music. So a lot of the music that um, I listen to that's not in that realm inspires me in other ways. So, you know, listening to a lot of Fela Kuti you know, makes me feel like, oh, yeah, we can just jam on this and drone on this one part for as long as we want, which also reminds me of, like, Joe Thompson and Odell's playing, where Aww. the B part comes surprisingly, you know? Um, so I can make those connections in the music, or, you know, if, 
me talking about black history a lot, making that political. I can get my influences from other places, uh, be it hip hop, be it free jazz, be it whatever. You know, I used to have a lot of stage fright, so I get a lot of my confidence on stage from listening to stand-up comedy. So, like, Andy Kaufman and Bernie Mac and Bill Hicks were, like, big influences for me there. So, I understand what you're doing with the distinction between banjoist and musician. I guess I would say I'm just a musician because I play a bunch of different instruments. <laughs> but, you know, I think any good banjo player, musician, whatever, should listen to a lot of different types of music and find ways to get inspired to play what they love uh, from those sources. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's really cool. Like, I love what you're saying about getting influences from other people. And, and that's really interesting and exciting to me that you, you listen to or look at comedians to get like stage presence and like how to get over stage fright. That's really exciting because it's almost like you throw anything out there into the audience and you kind of see what sticks or what kind of, pulls people apart so that they can connect with you. And I think that's really interesting because it's like when you're on stage, you can do anything like you can you can do anything up there. And I think like seeing comedians like Andy Kaufman or Bill Hicks, it's like, oh, and they did. <laughs> they did anything they wanted. They really did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. I, yeah, I think that's the way I think. I don't know. It's It's either make a character or be yourself, but either way, I think someone once told me it's like, it's that amplified, you know? So it's it's like you have that freedom to be yourself amplified and, and you have the strength of, you know, your talent and conviction and, you know, the invisible wall of the stage to protect you. So em embrace all of those things. Yeah, and I guess yeah. like, and in your case, you're really delivering a message. You're really delivering history and a message in a way that I was going to get into this later, but that I feel like is very, um, that I really love because you don't like have an ego about it. You really just kind of state the facts when you're up on stage about where the banjo came from and, um, what it is, what it really is in society today and how it came from, uh, the playing of black folk and, and how it, you know, how a lot of white people really got into it and, you know, and what that is, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, that was, you know, I learned that the banjo was a black instrument when I was 19 or 20. No, maybe, tw yeah, maybe turning 21. And I was like, it was one of those, like, they've been lying to us, you know, like, what else have they lied to me about? How did I make it this far without knowing that in a way? And it made me ask a lot of questions and, 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 and reshapes my appreciation of, American music reshaped my views on our history that we've been taught um, and found a place for me to like, you know, be black empowered yeah. through this music and through this uh, fact. And the, and the thing you say about me using facts, in, you know, we're in this time period now where books are being censored and history is trying to be hidden and rewritten in such blatant and racist ways. You know, facts are just facts. And and when I'm at a show and I say a fact, people, I don't have to say that that's why it's bad or that's why this is bad. It is just the fact. Yeah. And and, and inside, in a heart, in a soul, in a body, people are like, oh, yeah, maybe like enslaving a bunch of people and torturing them and forcing them to take on this religion is kind of bad. It doesn't have to be said out loud, but it's a feeling that you can get um, as a human, I guess. Uh, and so that is my that is my goal in life my 
my superpower. Yeah, no, and it's it's amazing. I love your live shows, and I think they really um, are engaging, and they're um, and they make you kind of understand, you know, how the history of the banjo was erased for a while, and and uh, changed or or accepted the way it it had to be for for a little way. I'm I'm being a little vague. I think I. Um, but for like a lack of a better uh, way to explain it, you know, like I feel like the banjo is now, yeah, like being reclaimed for its black history. And and now those gaps of banjo history are being filled in. And I think that's really important. Well, I was going to say also too, thinking about when I first joined Chocolate Drops, or when I first started touring in general, the very first festival I ever played was Shakuri Hills Festival hmm. in North Carolina. And I remember the first night, like, looking for jams and, like, sat at a, around a fire jamming with people. And, like, at some point in the night, like, like they started telling nigger jokes. Like, flying like crazy around this fire. Well. And I was like, I'm the only black guy at this old time festival. And, like, are definitely around this fire, you know. And, and you know, took that to when I, when I take that story and then travel to being with Chocolate Drops. And a lot of our shows early on were just about the visceral reaction of having an all black string band playing this music and being in these white spaces, like being at these festivals yeah. and conventions and like, we're black and we play this music and we didn't really get deep into the political politics of it because it was just at that time was just about being the bodies there. And like, and, and then I think about you, like you're such a badass banjo player and uh, you're a woman yeah. and like how you know like i remember with rihanna having to deal with that a lot of times too people were like oh let me show you how to do it she's like i know how to play the fucking banjo i mean freaking banjo you know and so, <laughs> so i think like you could i don't know if you can relate in that way of just like what it means to be you know not a white male in this music and like go out and represent uh, yeah yes i can i can i can relate to that i can't relate to being a person of color but i feel like Banjo is a very complicated instrument. Like, there's a part of maybe my family, these are even part of my family or certain cities that I play in where I feel like the banjo is seen as kind of like a poor, uneducated instrument. So the music that I'm playing on it, even though like I've practiced and I've studied it for a very long time and I've, you know, I this is what I do for a living, I feel like people don't think that it's making beautiful music, that it's making this kind of like music that doesn't matter or it's like i i guess so yeah i would agree with that it it's fraught and everyone has their own image of it and the history of it has changed from you know over hundreds of years of its existence um i'll try to work backwards maybe of just thinking about we talked about people's perceptions of the banjo and then like the beautifying you know people think of the banjo as wacky music or primitive music quote unquote and 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 Part of me is just like, you know, who cares? Don't need them, you know, <laughs> I guess, you know. And then also part of me, you know, when you hear people like, I don't know, like Bela Fleck or some other bluegrass virtuosos, like, oh, now we, we can elevate it to classical music. Now we're playing operas and doing stuff on the banjo. I'm like, that's very cool if you want to do that. But I don't I don't think I need to elevate the banjo to that in order for it to be a respectable instrument in a way. Um and also, you can't tap your foot to that, so it's not even that good to me. <laughs> um, but you know, but I'm also very glad that people are doing it and looking at the banjo as something that anything can be done on. So that's the two sides of the coin 
something there. And it's really freaking cool to be playing an instrument that uh, engages people so much, even if it's like a feeling like, I don't understand that, or I don't know why you play that, or like, why, what are you trying to do? Like, that's kind of a cool thing. I mean, that's art in a way, you know, making somebody think and listen, you know? It goes back to your point, too. Like, when people see me play the guitar, it's like, oh, he's playing the guitar. When people see me play the banjo, they have, like, these immediate things. Like, hee-haw, deliverance. Yes. Uh, like, I don't know, some racist stuff. Or maybe they know black history or something. Like, there's always, like, a visceral, like, that banjo, you know. My granddaddy played the banjo. So, yeah, I, I, I like that point a lot. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a really interesting instrument. I feel like, you know, you, you mentioned the... Um, the gender part, like being a woman playing the banjo, and I try not to think about it too much. Like, I just try to be the best banjo player I can, you know? And uh, I don't think about it. But there are moments when I'll go to a jam and no one knows me, and, and people will skip me in a jam for a solo. They'll just skip over me. And I'm like, all right, all right, I see that. I see that. <laughs> like, I, I know. I know you might think I can't. Like, and it's just weird, you know? And I, I hope that stuff is changing. Um, but uh, otherwise, I just do my thing, and I don't think about uh, the gender thing so much, you know? That's great. I mean, A, you know, I probably, this is maybe for the listeners or something, but, like, you are a badass banjo player. I think you're a better banjo player than I am, frankly. But, like, yeah, I guess you don't, you don't have to think about it, or not saying you don't have to think about it, but, like, in general, banjo players, when you want to play, you want to play. You want to play. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to try and worry about... Yeah all the politics, I'm going to try and take someone else's um, bigotry or views and take it on me. I'm here to play. So next one that comes around, I'm going to look this person dead in the face and say, I'm taking the next solo. And you do the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because you're there to play. That's it. So I totally get that and respect that. And that's why we got into the game anyway, was to play music. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting point to this. Um, do you have like a reverence for the music that you play, like old time blues or do you feel like music is for everyone and that everybody should just jump in? Like, for example, do you think it takes, like, years to kind of study and practice the history the history and the tradition of these songs before you go out and play them? Or do you feel like it's okay to just kind of, like, jump in? Like, I just got a guitar, so I'm going to go and play with these people. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think it's totally okay for people to jump in and play music. I mean, that's how I did it. Mm -hmm. I got into blues music and just I used to work in an ice cream stand in Bryant Park and I got really into blues and a friend of mine made me a mix CD and the first track was Devil Got My Woman Blues by Skip James mm. and I got my paycheck from the ice cream shop the next day and I just went to Guitar Center to turn this into a guitar <laughs> and just started playing blues very badly for a long time and not knowing <laughs> what a rider was not knowing what a jelly roll was like none of that I was just in it you know um, and, um, you know, not to say that uh, these people weren't skilled or taught and all that kind of stuff, but it was people's music. Like people learned from each other and played and played a lot. And that's how they got good. So I think it's very important for people to just play and not, you know, not let good or history or, or I mean, perfect or history or anything get in the way of just playing and being good. Um, that being said, you know, a lot of times there are songs that you might want to learn the history of. So I don't think you should just run out the gate and start playing Run, Nigger, Run or something like that on the banjo. <laughs> I think you should, like, think about it for a second. Um, and so it's a two-pronged thing. Play and digest as much as possible. But, of course, 
you know, the three the three things to playing this music for me when we're talking about context is like be good, be respectable, and be knowledgeable. And you can do all those things rapidly, rapidly. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing, but I I am actually you know I take very seriously what you're saying. Yeah. I know. No, yeah. I said it to be funny. You know, but I remember like there are lots of songs that I would sing where. I wouldn't think about it. And someone's just like, wait, you're going to marry an Indian squad? I'm like, oh, yeah, that is kind of a weird thing to say. You know what? I'm not going to sing that anymore. Or there's a version of John Henry that I've been playing a lot lately. Uh, Lucius Smith on banjo and um, Sid Hemphill on fiddle. Their version of John Henry. And there's a verse in there about how a dark-skinned black woman is not good for something. And I'm like, I don't know why this verse is in this song, but I don't sing it. I just don't need it, and I don't put it in there, you know? Um, and so that's part of, you know, just being respectable and being a little bit knowledgeable about what's going on in the song and who you're playing it for and why you're playing it. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think that's a great lesson for anybody learning this music. Um, and then here on Banjo Chat, what we do is we listen to some of the music that you've recorded over time. So I actually was wondering if we could listen to one of your tunes from your self-titled CD. Uh, this is back in 2016, I think. This is your Hubby Jenkins... CD. Yeah, I'm so long overdue for a record, Hillary. It's insane. I know. I, it's like I, I'm in a bad way, but um, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, I really, I really love the version of the song. It's uh, cuckoo, and I think you're playing like a Rufus Casey version of the song. And the reason that I wanted to listen to this is because uh, the lyrics are different than any other lyrics of Cuckoo that I've ever heard. I mean, like, the melody's different, but it's still, like, I know the song. Um, usually, Cuckoo, to me, is about Willie. And, and Willie, to me, was always this, like, mysterious gentleman out in the woods. Like, like I don't, I, you know, Willie is often, like, considered to be, like, I don't know, he's often in these murder ballads and stuff. So when Willie shows up in Cuckoo... Like, it's this weird guy. But in your version of Cuckoo, Willie's this woman. Or you say, she, my darling. And so it's like a different character. And I, I just thought that was really interesting. So I'm going to read some of the lyrics, and then we're going to take a listen to it, if you don't mind. Well, I'd like to say, yeah, before go ahead. you read yeah. it, is that, um, so this version, it is Rufus Casey on banjo. And it comes from an album called Black Banjo Songsters mm -hmm. of North Carolina and Virginia, put out by Dr. Cece Conway, oh, wow. who, thanks for reminding me, called me the other day, and I have to call her back. And... And so, you know, it's, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why black banjo, black old time banjo players were not recorded during the 20s and 30s, this golden age of these recordings. And so a lot of folklorists and ethnomusicologists kind of tried to work to fill that in. Two most notable being this album and Altamont by John Work III, who was an ethnomusicologist at Fisk University, who put together string band, banjo, old time, non-blues, non-religious string bands. Um, and Altamont is the jam. Um... But anyway, so that's the importance of this album, and that was the importance of this version. And when you hear, like, Willie, she's my darling, she's my dear, whatever, um, that's also something you hear in blues songs. Like, Willie comes up as a character. Mm. Um, I mean, you have Willie the Weeper, who's, like, the dope smoker, but then you have, like, this Willie who's, like, will be a woman or a lover or someone who's knocking on the door. So it also gives it that other connection to blues music by having that be the reference for Willie in this version of Cuckoo Girl. Well, I did not know that. That is really interesting. And I actually have this album, and I didn't realize this was on there. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read the lyrics. So, it's got the, the usual, Cuckoo is a pretty bird. She warbles as she flies. She never hollows, hollers cuckoo till the 4th day of July. And then it goes into, gonna build me a little steeple on a mountain so high so I can see Willie as she goes by. 
When I see you walking, well, woman, tell, tell your mind. Your mind is to marry and leave this town. I think you said town. Little Willie, she's my darling. Little Willie, she's my dear. Little Willie, she's my darling, and I hate to leave her here. So let's take a little listen. Here we go. We're really going to listen to it. Here it goes. Well, the cuckoo is a pretty bird. She wobbles as she flies. She never hollers cuckoo till the fourth day of July. that's that cuckoo bird Ah, i just love this version so much it's got you got all these like blues elements in it it even sounds a little bit like rock to me it's just great that drive is just pushing forward and um kind of reminds me of that old time tune the patter roller song and um yeah and it's amazing how much you step away from the clarence ashley version of the cuckoo which i kind of feel like is the, the standard um i think it's a little fast on that record and and which is cool it has its own energy to it um rufus casey's version is a little bit slower his banjo is way more out of tune and yeah it has that like riding that third string like riding that g string which is just such a good just simple groove to lay down on the banjo but yeah feels different and so when you get to that b part and you get to the b part whenever you feel like it so it's that much more shocking and yep. like lifting to get that high and then dong right back to that. So I just love that about the song, period. And I I, I forget Clarence Ashley's version, but I think he has a kind of like there's a high yeah. you know, all the versions have that too, so you could you could really hear the roots of it still in that version. But yeah, it definitely takes it to another place. Oh yeah, it's really cool. It's so cool. Um so are you playing uh, mostly solo these days? Are you playing with a, a band? I'm playing mostly solo. Um, and teaching at a lot of camps. Um, I've, I've been doing some, picking up some gigs with Ebony Hillbillies uh, when our schedules allow, which has been funny. They've been a, a, the, the first all-black string band I ever heard of or saw in real life was Ebony Hillbillies, so that's kind of cool. Um, and I've been picking up gigs playing with uh, Phil Wiggins, who's mm. a, a blues harmonica player who's yeah. in a duo called Cephas and Wiggins for a long time. Oh, yeah. And so we've been doing some duo shows and a, a trio with this fiddle player, uh, Marcus. And that's been pretty groovy. We were, like, in Alaska recently and ate, like, 2,000-year-old ice or something, and that was cool. Wow. Um, and, yeah, but mostly playing solo with, like, dreams of making a trio and mostly just getting, like, I have ideas for albums and music that I want to record and they got to come out. Yeah, I I think that's great. I mean, I was just thinking about this today. Like if arts were properly supported in the United States, (laughs) there would just be so many opportunities for great music to be made and for time to be spent on music. It's just, ah, come on. Let's just like support the arts, fund the arts because it's hard, man. It's hard to, it's hard to make something because 
like in New York City, we have to work so hard to just like live and be, you know, and, and you don't have the time to kind of create, you know. You have to have the hustle culture. You know, it's kind of like, you know, friends who live in Berlin, like I make fun of them because the government's just like, here's money and like your apartment's cheap and like whatever, yeah. you know. And they got no hustle, you know. And I'm like, you guys got That's no hustle. That's true. We got the hustle, <laughs> though. We got the hustle. Yeah. You know, and so I appreciate having that. But, you know, then, but it's like you said, there's something that's to be said for just being able to make art, you know. And I remember when Patti Smith's book came out, uh, the memoirs, the first one, um, Just Kids. Oh, okay. She did an interview where she said, you know, they were asking, did you read Just Kids? No, I didn't. I have M Train. M Train's the one after. It's it, M Train's good too. It's a lot more about like Detroit and and uh, I think she, I think it's like after her house after uh, Sandy, oh. um, in the Rockaways, but uh, Just Kids is 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 really about like New York seventies eighties and like her relationship with Robert Maplethorpe, who's this wonderful photographer, and so she talks a lot about New York and the music scene and just being in New York at that time, and so in the interview the guy's like, does the New York from your book exist still? And Patty's like, no. It's absolutely gone. You know, New York is not for artists anymore. And so, like, if you want to live something close to that life, if you want to live like an artist, she suggests Detroit and Pittsburgh and yeah. and, and these other places where, you know, you can, you can just afford to create. Um, and I like that. But, you know, native New Yorker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think that despite how much this city seems to revere uh real estate and finance and cops and robot dog cops and whatever else <laughs> like it's still a place for for arts and for culture and community and being around people and uh and yeah and having a little hustle in your life is not that bad so no yeah it is all those things <laughs> i do love new york and i love being here i mean I, i'm you know i always stay here the people here are amazing you get you get things that you really don't experience in other places. And I, you know, I, I stay here for a reason. Sometimes I don't know what the reason is, but I was wondering, um, could you name a couple tunes that you think are like need to know, must know tunes for a person that's playing banjo or folk or blues? Um, like, you know how Johnny Cash did his, like, what was it? 50 or a hundred must know songs or must sing songs. Like if you had to be like, these are songs, like here's two songs that you must know like uh for example i'm gonna name one i'm gonna name one i hope it's not one that you're gonna name like i feel like darling cory is a song that you should know like people that are learning this music learn darling cory like learn it or like learn about it i feel like that's a, like a must know tune are there mm. any tunes like you feel like that Ooh, that's another deep one i, I i've never thought about it that way i think um you know i went from playing banjo in my kitchen to my banjo being stabbed by an ex-girlfriend <laughs> to getting it fixed and playing in carolina chocolate drops and you know my first year with chocolate drops we were we did wow. 200 shows that year so like i really learned how to play banjo on stage and um so i didn't i never i've still to this day have not been to a an, a fiddle mm -hmm. competition like i've never been to galax or any of those things I, I, I've jammed intermittently, but I have, you know, I haven't been to as mm -hmm. many jams as people who jam. And so I always find myself when I'm in those sort of situations where people are like, oh, let's just do this song. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't really know it. Like, I put in a lot of hours on the banjo, like I'm pretty adept. Um, and so I can pick it up usually by the third time, fourth time around. But, I, you know, I, I didn't have that in that same way. So that being said, 
what are some songs I think people should know? Right now, I'm going through a uh, Gus Cannon phase. So I think everyone should know Jonestown Blues. I think everyone should learn how to just kind of old-time pick and be gentle and comfortable with their banjo without hitting it and just feel a blues form and feel that the banjo can do these other things, um, which I really like. And then when it comes to just like standard Clawhammer songs, I don't know. I think like breaking up Christmas Mm -hmm. is good to have in your pocket. It's really fun to play. Good techniques in there. You could whip it out at every jam and people will know it. I forget if it's in G or A. I think it's an A. Um, and, and then I would do like Groundhog or something funny. <laughs> it's good to have like a funny one. Old Groundhog or what's the one where the old lady wants a rabbit and the guy's like, woof, woof. Um, get, you know I what I'm g- talking about? Oh man, a dog, a dull dog sitting in the shade as dogs want to do. And here's the master calling the answers like this. Woof, woof. Yonder you go, yonder you go. Can't I don't you know. see? I don't I know that one. I think. Wait a minute, that does uh, sound familiar. <laughs> oh man. I think like the Ramblers do it. Like I forget if it's Cohen or Mike Seeger. Oh yeah, it. you're right. Um, you're right. Yeah. I I'm forgetting the name of that. Yeah. I think it's on oh, their kids' album. One. But yeah, but that, that's are the ones that come to me. But I think it's really play what you have a passion for. Listen to as much music as you can, like we were talking about earlier in the conversation. But really, just play what you like and like follow that. Don't be swayed by whatever. And and I think you'll you'll find that your repertoire will build up over time. That's uh, nice. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, any uh, like last words of uh, folks out there, up and coming musicians that are trying to stay grounded in this crazy world of social media and comparison? What? How do you stay grounded? How do you stay Hubby Jenkins? Ooh, how do I stay grounded? How do I stay Hubby Jenkins? Um, you know, I think that <laughs> there's many things I do. I like to listen to one new album a day. I like I listen to something I've never heard before every single day, whether it's a co- compilation of old time music or uh, you know a brand new rap album or something just something new to the ears every day. Um, usually with my coffee in the morning, and and play. You know, make sure you play as much as you can, and even if that's just fifteen minutes a day, like you will always learn something, and. I never feel more grounded or more centered than when I'm lost in playing. And whether that's practicing or jamming or on stage or uh, just strumming it as I walk by it on my way to the bathroom, uh, just find that center while you're playing. Yeah, and find that again. center. I love that. Like, because to me, that almost feels like find that groove. Like, find that spot mm-hmm. and just like groove on it. And there's no right or wrong way. Just, just play. Just play and just be in it. And, yeah, I feel that. This past week, you're talking about listening to music. This past week, I've been listening to your album. I've been listening to the Carolina Choc- Chocolate Drops, Leaving Eden. I'm not sure how many albums you are, you're on of theirs, but I've been listening to that. I've been watching your YouTubes. I've just been keeping your music in my head this past week. So I just invite folks listening out there to do the same thing with your music. And I saw you have another album on Bandcamp called The Fourth Day. Yeah, I've been on a very deep... Uh, spirituals and gospels and history of black uh, Christianity kick and so that was like an EP that I put out during the shutdowns of some of my favorite and I guess more obscure spirituals and songs it's pretty good 
That's pretty good. All right. Well, this is so fun. I, I love having you on the Banjo Chat. This has just been an awesome time. And um, so thank you for being a guest. No, it was great talking with you. We need to hang out more often. And I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, so good to have you. And if you want to check out Hubby's music, you can go to hubbyjenkins.com. That's H-U-B-B-Y-J-E-N-K-I-N-S. And go to hubbyjenkins.bandcamp.com and buy those albums. Support the arts. Everyone, thank you for listening. You guys are the best audience. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at banjochatpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at banjochat. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the Banjo Chat Podcast, all you got to do is help it along with a little like, a little subscribe, and a little review. And that'll help boost it a little bit so I can keep making these for you.